were just like, oh, it sounds like professional. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I try, man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> matchsticks and chewing gum, I think, but I'm glad it sounds good. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 281 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. It's a weird time, people. We're past two years of this, and I don't even need to say this and qualify what this is anymore, because you all know what this is and there's times where we think we've turned a corner and there's times we realize oh there's something very scary around that corner let's go back around the corner we just came it's 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 so strange and i say it's so strange because i think about how uh, my guest on today's show is somebody who i was actually first of all got to talk to for real for the first time during this and who i was looking forward to actually like getting out in person and watching some movies and having a coffee after this but here we are we're still in this but that's okay because there's sometimes where this can give us some goodness like putting together shows like well not this but putting together shows and talking about um exciting movies like we did last time and far less heavy and and much more uh life-affirming and intricate movies like we're going to this time um i'm across a wire to the west end of my fair city today talking to ruby dylan how are you again ruby dylan i'm good thank you it's been it's been a while um but not it doesn't seem like that long at the same time Weird i mean times yeah you're, you're talking to a guy who can go like four years in between inviting guests back i am terrible <laughs> at that so like 12 months is nothing really <laughs> okay you're right, almost you're almost a regular <laughs> thank you <laughs> on episode 281 we will be discussing turning red we'll be flipping the record over to play the other side but first we need to learn more about ruby this is know your enemy Ruby first showed up last spring on episode 253, we talked about Promising Young Woman, and we learned on that episode that the first film she ever saw in a theater was Batman Returns. The last film she'd seen at the time was Toy Story. The worst film she's ever seen is something called Hubie Halloween with Adam Sandler. The unseen classic or essential is The Big Lebowski, and the film she wished she'd made is Get Out. So it is time for round two. Miss Dylan, what is a movie everybody else dislikes, but you dig? I don't know if this counts because I think it's critically uh, disliked. Everything counts. There are no rules here. (laughs) Yeah, commercially, it's a huge hit. But uh, actually, the Fast and Furious franchise, I unironically absolutely love every single one of those dumb movies, like even Tokyo Drift, even Too Fast, Too Furious, all of them. I'm so down. They're just so great, in my opinion. <laughs> what is it about them that you love so much? Um, you know what? They they are exactly what they say they are on the packaging. Like, uh, despite what Vin Diesel might think, I'm not going in there to watch, like, an Oscar winner. Um, I'm going in there to, like, be entertained, to watch cars go into space, um, to watch Ludacris and Tyrese just deliver great, really stupid one-liners and like really just enjoy family (laughs) like they feel like family to me because there's so many of those movies but yeah i absolutely love them what are we on now nine 
There's yeah. nine of them. Nine of them? Yeah. We're getting into like James Bond territory <laughs> here. I have on this on this show, I have said a few times that one of these days I am going to like, you know, dig in because I have never actually seen a proper Fast and Furious. I have seen oh of every I know it is the weirdest, it is the weirdest blind spot in my entire <laughs> cinematic landscape. And I it, it, you know, it's not even like I dis- I actively dislike them. I don't know if I do or not. I might find yeah. them absolutely fantastic. I have no clue. However, sorry, there is one little caveat to this. I have seen Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Yeah, it's count? in the universe. It's okay. it's it's a part of the the extended universe, right. I guess. There were cars. They were playing like barrel of monkeys with the yeah. cars. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, I guess this is what we do in this universe. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's um, it's it's one of those things. I I know like the mechanics kind of comes and goes, and people have fun with it, and it's it seems like it's a um, a contest from movie to movie over what kind of crazy stunt can we do in this one. Yeah, like they get a little bit more and more insane and unrealistic with like right. every passing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what like we as the franchise fans expect. Like I, I think I, th- I saw somewhere someone was suggesting like they need dinosaurs in the next one. Like let's do a Jurassic <laughs> Park crossover. And you know what? I wouldn't rule it out. I feel like they would <laughs> like, there's nothing they wouldn't add to these movies. And that's what makes them like so fun. I'm thinking, like, you know, one of the cars goes so fast that it goes through time. Ah, you know what? That sounds so good. Because, like, honestly, at, like, number four, I was like, they're going to go into space. And lo and behold, they did. (laughs) It was, like, the most rinky-dink operation where, like, obviously this makes no scientific sense. But you know what? I'm enjoying myself. All like right. I love this view of the earth and this like Toyota Corolla up there. Great. <laughs> I see part of me thinks you're just messing with me, but at the other hand of like, <laughs> you're probably not. So one of these days I'm going to take like, I'm going to take a week. I'm just not even a week. Cause now I need like 10 days. Yeah. I'm just going to watch them all. I'll let everybody know how it goes. I'm sure it'll be a great big hit. Um, all right, let's, let's flip this around. Yeah. What is a movie that everybody else likes that you don't? Titanic. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> not only is it like like that's a that's one of those like pop culture staples. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's not that like there's nothing really wrong with it. I guess I just don't love it the way everyone else seems to love it. And like I, oh my god, I hate myself for saying this. No, no. I missed I missed the boat <laughs> when it came <laughs> out. Like I, my friends went to see it. And I didn't get to go see it with them. And then it was so long between like it coming out and it winning all these awards and like Celine Dion's song being literally everywhere before I got to see it. So I feel like the hype was extreme Mm -hmm. and I saw it and it was like, obviously technically like it achieved some things that had never been done before. It's beautiful to look at. Um, But I just thought it was a little, underwhelming and like corny compared to the hype that everyone like all of my friends were obviously super into young leo and in my opinion like romeo and juliet or romeo plus juliet is a far superior vehicle to thirst over young leo in uh and that's my opinion i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of backlash for saying i'm not disagreeing no but uh but yeah i just i just couldn't get into it so it's a fine movie it's just i don't i don't really love it that way you raise you raise an interesting point when you talk about 
like missing the boat, pardon the pun. Um, like very well played, I must admit, very well played. What people might not remember and what anybody who was too young at the time probably wasn't there for is just how massive a movie this was. Like, So this movie came out at the end of December and it was number one at the box office all the way into the beginning of April. That is beyond insane what? like that like that, that just cannot happen anymore no at all like for, forget about the fact of trying to get a movie to play in theaters for f- you know four whole months forget about that first of all and then and it kept on playing after that but like forget about just try, like playing for that long because they don't anymore yeah but remaining number one week after week after week after week for like four months it's crazy to, to think of the number that it took in at the time. Like it took in an incredible amount of money, which now movies tend to do in like, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah. It's been, it's been eclipsed several times. You mentioned the soundtrack. The soundtrack was number <laughs> one on the charts for yeah. again, like four months, which is it's most, it was mostly all this like Celtic score done by James yeah. Horner with the one Celine Dion song. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, and then it goes on, you know, again, we're talking here at Oscar time and it goes on and it wins, uh, what was it, like 11 trophies? Yeah, 11 or 12, something like that. Yeah, it, it, it won 11 trophies, which again, is just, it's one of those really, really hard things to do. Like, I think the last real big beast of a winner was probably Slumdog Millionaire and that got like eight, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, yeah. it's yeah, it was the hype machine. On that thing <laughs> was just running on overdrive, and yeah, if you didn't show up to it inside of those first two or three weeks, you would have been like, "I don't get it." Yeah, you know, and, you know that yeah, there's a boat. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, and like the way like me and my like young teen preteen friends, um, like all of them were like super obsessed with it. They were part of the reason why it made that much money. Yeah. Was like all of them went to see it. Yeah. several times like yeah. in a row but yeah it it like links to what we're going to talk about today with like teen girls and their obsession and like <laughs> the fact they can be so wild and stand something so hard mm-hmm. uh but but yeah i just just didn't get into it that unfortunately. was that was that was standing before standing was a thing i love it yeah <laughs> okay yeah you know what no titanic absolutely it's uh, like it, it's one of those things like if you weren't there you don't know and yeah. you were there and you know and so. I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um okay since i know it's not titanic what is a film that made you cry um i am i am a very emotional person apparently because i cry really easy in movies and uh <laughs> After Turning Red, which I did cry in, uh, I watched Coda, oh. uh, which did make me cry. Yeah. Okay. It's it's amazing that in over the past several months, um, the Coda has become this, this story that's bubbled up and bubbled up and bubbled up when I thought it was just going to kind of be this kind of an afterthought of the year. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see it doing as well as it's doing now um because it's a it's a lovely little movie it does a lot of wonderful things and tells a story that we don't see done with quite that kind of care um Mm -hmm. was there was there a particular part in coda that really that that got you um honestly it was probably several times throughout the (laughs) movie 
that I did. Oh, I mean, yeah. not hysterically crying right. like no, no, the way no. I would in like Coco or something. But um, it feels like a little bit like after watching it and like reflecting on it a little bit, it feels a little bit engineered sure. to make you feel that way and to get that emotional response at certain part points of the movie. Um, specifically when she's like hanging out of the car window, like uh, throwing, um, throwing, I don't, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but no, it's, uh, there's, know, throwing love back at her family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like that, I don't know if that makes it like in sincere in the way that I reacted to it. And I know that there's been a little bit of discourse and like people have kind of changed their opinion on the movie on Twitter, at least since like it's, it's had all this awards recognition and love, which is unfortunate to see because like it does deserve the love that it gets in like, I, I really truly enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, but it feel it does feel a little Oscar baity in that way. But I don't think that's a bad thing. We're in a strange place where earnestness is dismissed, where earnestness is like spoken of as though it's only something that can be on the Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. You know that you can't tell an earnest story and have it be anything with any kind of weight. And, you know, there's, there are absolutely positively moments in this movie that are trying to garner the reaction that you got and that I got. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like there, there was at least one moment in this movie off the top of my head that got me, that got me misty, probably several. Um, but there's at least one that sticks out in my brain. And I'm like, why is that a bad thing? You know, like, why can we watch the end of Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Mm-hmm. And watch Adele get overwhelmed with emotion at music, but mm-hmm. we can't give ourselves over to anything sweet and allow ourselves to get overwhelmed. It's not my favorite look on people, yeah. um, but I'm I'm with you that there were there were a few moments in that movie that that got me that that, that, that did what they needed to do. If yeah. the movie was out to make me laugh and it made me laugh, like would I be saying that the movie failed because it made me laugh? It's like exactly, no. yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I, that's a that's a good one. I, I I think I am gonna have to watch it again. Uh, I mean, clock's ticking, but I'm gonna have to watch it again before <laughs> Oscar night, just because yeah. of like you said, the discourse has changed so mm. much of the conversation around that movie. But good answer, very good answer. Um, okay, this could be fun. Uh, Ruby Dillon in the movie of your life, who plays you? Okay, um, I. I don't like, I don't know if this is an ego thing, but I've thought about this question quite a, quite a bit and I live a very regular, boring life. So I don't think, I don't think I merit a, a movie of my life, but um, I wasn't sure how I should answer this question because should it be an actor who looks like me, um, which is a very specific and small pool uh, in Hollywood. There is Bollywood, obviously, that I could choose from, but that's not the vibe I'd want to go for for my movie. Um, so if we were to just go off vibes, and maybe sure. not someone who looks like me, sure. I definitely hope it is an action adventure comedy, some sort of a buddy comedy, because there's a lot of supporting characters in my life who are just great and hilarious. Okay. Um that being said, there's a few options. Okay. So if I wanted to be aspirational, and this is how I want people to see me, it would definitely be Zoe Kravitz, because I would love for people to think I'm that hot and that cool. You know what I mean? Um, but in terms of the way like my humor and the way I react to things, I feel like 
Jonah Hill could do just a fantastic <laughs> job. His stress levels, they would probably <laughs> match mine at various points of this movie. Okay. Um, but overall, like if I could take it back, I think that Issa Rae would do an amazing job. We both don't have a poker face. Like she wears all of her emotions on her face. The way she reacts to things makes me laugh so hard. And I think that has a lot of potential. Okay. So that's, that's my final answer. Issa okay. Rae. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. See, what I'm thinking in my head, first of all, is the way you frame all of that. Uh, I want to see a movie where they all play you at various points in your life. <laughs> You know, that's, that's what I want to see. Like, so from moment to moment, everybody knows it's Ruby, but yeah. me and the audience see different sides of you from scene to scene. I would absolutely pay to see that movie. You know what? Um, I feel like we need to green, green light project this we, or something. Get somebody need, on this. Cause I would to watch this that happen. too. <laughs> we absolutely need to make this happen. Uh, I mean, Jonah Hill's been funny because you know, he's, he came up playing this like, horny doofus and then he kind of got all serious <laughs> and then he went through a scorsese phase and now he's back to serious so he i mean he just within himself it's like i could i could drill down into that question and be like <laughs> which jonah hill are we talking about here honestly it's going to be the 21 jump street okay jonah hill all where right. he's like this like overachiever who has friends that are way cooler than him okay um and who just like literally overthinks everything and is stressed out about everything okay but always has some sort of a one-liner in his back pocket for the situation you know now that i think about it like all three of these actors have levels because isa as well like isa's got her her insecure isa that's very awkward and hard on her sleeve and talking to herself in the mirror but then she's also got you know the photograph Issa mm-hmm. Rae which is much more poised much more confident much more uh, you know like like softer spoken so she, so Issa's got levels and then I mean even Zoe like Zoe yeah she's got her very cool very put together Selena Kyle phase but she's also got uh, you know, high fidelity where she's a yeah. slob. So yeah. I mean, I think like not only do we have layers, but we've got layers within layers <laughs> to the Ruby Dillon story. Like this is yeah. some inception shit right here. Yeah. Everyone goes through phases. Hey, yeah. like it could cover it all. <laughs> I would absolutely see this movie. We need to make this happen. You're right. <laughs> Last but not least, what are you watching next? Um, I am really excited to see the lost city. Um, a little bit of Sandy B. Channing Tatum oh, and one. Radcliffe, uh, Brad Pitt somehow shows up in the trailer, and I'm just like, I have been waiting for one of these like 2000s vibe rom coms that are just off the rails. And I know I can gather a group of friends, and we're gonna just like laugh. There is like, I just I can't wait. I think it's gonna be so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about it for five minutes, so thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's, you remind me though, that I used to eat this stuff up. Like (laughs) I totally used to watch stuff like the mummy and the Mexican and Van Helsing and those really dumb, big (laughs) pulpy movies. So I can sit here and, and, and like, you know, like squinch up a face. But at the same time, I, I, I must admit that, like the, the same way that you have your soft spot for all of the uh, for all of the Fast and Furious movies, 
I, I do. Um, so I, I can't remember. Is this is this coming to our homes, or do we have to like go out and see this? I think we have to go out and see it. Uh, see, now you just lost me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long. I don't know how long that's gonna last. But uh, but yeah, like okay. I I I just like I've been waiting for one of these big movies that like kind of appeals to everyone because okay. like. You can't take it's not a franchise. Yeah. 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 It's it's like, it's, it's new. It's different. I don't know where it's going to go and I'm excited. Okay. I, uh, I, I wish you well. Um, (laughs) Please, please do let me know how it goes. I'll be, I'll be staring at my Twitter waiting for the DM of how it goes. Um, Velocity. All right. Enjoy. Um, It's it's a nice little switch from all of the, all of the drama that comes at the year end. So please. Um, Well, there we go. That's more about Ruby. We'll learn more about her when she turns back up for another episode, which at this pace is turning into quite a regular event. So probably won't have to wait that long. Um, But we have a movie to talk about. We've got a lovely little movie to talk about um, on the new slaying. Uh, Come on right back after this. We're going to talk about turning red. Turning Red by Pixar is directed by Domi Shi. It's written by Shi alongside Julia Cho and Sarah Stryker. It stars Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Ryan Lee, and Wai Ching Ho. Turning Red is about Mai, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl from Toronto. She's a straight-A student, a mathlete, a flautist, and the assistant caretaker of her family's Chinese temple. She has three girlfriends who she would do anything for, and a favorite boy band that she would do absolutely anything for. Ordinary stuff, right? Well, not exactly. You see, Mei is a young girl who's growing up fast. And you know what that means, right? Right! It means that when she gets emotional, she suddenly transforms into a ten-foot-tall red panda. Yes, indeed, in an act of folkloric magic that goes back centuries, the women in Mai's family have, for centuries, transformed into huge red pandas around the time they reach womanhood. So, Mei's mother, Ming, knows full well what she's going through. She even knows how to make it stop. To do that, though, Mei will need to keep calm and avoid letting the panda out. Because the more the panda shows up, the harder the panda will be to contain, as is the case with pandas. So the 13-year-old just needs to not get emotional. No sweat, right? Right. Turning Red is about family. It's about mothers and daughters, fathers and daughters, even friends you make as a child who are so close they feel like family. Family is a funny thing, though. Family can pick you up when you're down, family can knock you over when you're weak, family can inspire, and family can corrode. Every family is different, and yet I believe there is something of so many families present inside of Turning Red. So, pop quiz hotshot, what did you see of yourself and your family in this movie? You know what? This this movie, it, it felt so familiar. It felt so comfortable. Um it is a very specific time capsule of a time in my life. Hmm. Uh, I am a daughter of a uh, an immigrant family. My my parents both immigrated to Canada at different points of their life, but uh, the expectations that come with being the eldest daughter of that family, um, I felt a lot of that in what May's 
expected to do on the day-to-day and how she's viewed by her parents and her family at large. Uh, the role she plays for her friends as like kind of the caretaker. It's it's what you learn how to do. So I really connected with this movie, this family in this way. Uh, and the fact that it was in such a familiar setting also mm-hmm. just made me feel really warm and comfortable. Uh, th- there's been a lot of talk about this movie in between it re- being released and us having this conversation. And it's it's kind of hard not to pull from a lot of that um, argument or conversation that was going on uh, where those kinds of things go on. Um, but I, I was hearing a lot of talk about this movie is so specific and who is this mm-hmm. movie for? Let us be clear. This is not my movie. I was not, a, I was never a teenage girl. <laughs> I was, I was never a teenage Chinese girl. Right. It is, it is in my city, but it's, that's uh, that's a different story altogether. Yeah. Um, but yet the way her mother I mean, mothers her, specifically when her mother like shows up at her school and when her mother drops her off. I felt those parts so hard because (laughs) I love my mom and all, I really do. But there were times when I was younger where she just would be like, would would make the move that would just mortify me. Uh, You know, and sometimes even (laughs) when I told her, please don't do this. Um, and yet, like, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, I know why my mother did it. I still wish she didn't, but yeah. I know why. <laughs> and that moment of, of being just overwhelmed by what your mom just did, um, yeah. I, I really, I, I latch too hard. Um, we haven't talked about this yet, and you just kind of alluded to it in your intro. What did you think of Pixar's Turning Red? I I thought it was wonderful. It's such an energetic, fun movie. Um, even if folks think it is specific, uh, I like how specific it is. I, I, I thought it was a really clever and heartfelt way to deal with this age group, this time in a person's life. Um, and it was just genuinely very funny. I, mm-hmm. I laughed a lot throughout this movie. It was very easy to watch and very easy to love. This movie is very sweet. Very like it, it's not saccharine sweet, you know, like kind of like what we were talking about with Coda. Like it is really designed to enamor itself to you um, with its characters, with a lot of its humor, um, with a lot of its love. Like this is a yeah. movie that's that's got a lot of love from mm-hmm. from the family from the extended family. Um, it's it's so bright and like I, I love that it's a movie with a lot of red. Incredibly for a movie that is so specific. Like let, let us not beat around the bush. Like it is very much a singular story, which I like because I want some of that from Pixar mm-hmm. as we start getting close to like they've they've been in the game for almost thirty years now. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I don't want all of them to be stories that every single kid knows because they used to play with their toys in this way. Right. I right. want some stories that are, you know, told from points of view that are not my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does that just so bloody well. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that, like you said, it, it's not that it's not that being specific is a bad thing, but you can find things in this that, you relate to you've been through something like that or you know someone who's been through something like that and that familiarity i think made it 
uh, I used the word before comfortable, but made it a very comfortable watch for me. And uh, because I related to it so hard, um, I've had some friends ask me questions about certain things about like, if they're not from the Toronto area, ask me about like, oh, does like, it actually look like that? Did you guys actually call it the Sky Dome? Because it's not called that anymore. Right, right. But it's like, it, it was just such a it felt like a little bit of a love letter to Toronto and oh, very much. Toronto is often a placeholder for other cities. Like a lot of filming happens in this area in the GTA. Um, and it's nice to just see it represented as itself. We're seeing now slowly, oh so slowly um, movies being made that, that show our city for, for what it is and not just have it stand in from somewhere else. And it's always been strange. Like I've never understood why, there was a fear in the American system of, of showing film. Like they would much rather just call a city, the city instead <laughs> of calling it Montreal or calling it Vancouver or calling it Toronto. Um, you know, and, and for a while, like every story took place in New York or Los Angeles. Right. Um, now we're slowly starting to get movies like um, what if, or like take this waltz or like, this one, uh, like Turning Red, that let Toronto play itself. And, I mean, it's lovely because for as far as it goes with being a love letter to Toronto, it doesn't actually go overboard. Like, it really stays uh-huh. contained to a few different spots. It doesn't – I actually thought it could have gone a lot further. I expected sure. to see more of the city than where they go. They kind of just confine themselves to – Chinatown, the dome. At one point they go to the island. Um, you know, just and, and the only reason why I know it's the island is just because I know that point of view of <laughs> the view, skyline. Yeah. yeah. Um I do like that it lets Toronto play itself and like the streetcars um yeah. are, are a character and the, the old streetcars too yeah. um are a character in this movie. It's funny, I saw somebody on Twitter getting nostalgic for those streetcars, <laughs> and I was like, you were never in the back well, of those trying to get yeah, out, don't. were you? You've forgotten how hard it was to elbow your way to that middle door. Um, but yeah, I do love uh, that as well, that, that it lets Toronto play itself. And um, that, that, that Domi Shi was, was able, because Domi Shi, um, she also did uh, another animated Toronto movie. Um, she did Bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the short film uh, from Pixar a few years ago, Oscar-winning short film from a few years ago, um, about a dumpling uh, yeah. that was also set in Toronto. But that one, if you blinked, you'd miss it. Like, you didn't right. really realize it was Toronto. So I was happy that she was able to put a full feature in her home city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it felt, like you said, it didn't go so far that it, like wasn't using specific street names or things that only somebody from Toronto or the surrounding area would know, but there's enough almost like Easter eggs Mm -hmm. throughout the entire movie that if you're, if you're paying attention and you're familiar with those things, you'll be like, Oh my God, it's a box of Timbits on that table. Like you just, those little things. And they made every person I was watching this movie with smile. Yeah. Um, Because we are from here and it was really nice to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Like I, I, I just thought it was a, a very personal touch for a Pixar movie that I, I was not expecting. And maybe I don't notice it in other movies because I'm not from those places. When Nora Ephron died, I remember reading a thing by Tom Hanks when he talked about one of her earliest films and how 
the characters driving through New York, like to go to their new apartment. Um, I can't remember what the title of the film is off the top of my head, but I know it stars Julie Kavner, uh, the woman who does the voice of Marge Simpson. And she packs up her kids and she drives to a new apartment in New York City. And what Tom Hanks loved about the way that Nora Ephron directed the scene was she took the route that you would have to take. Like she, like the, the streets that mm-hmm. she went through, he's like, that is the way you would drive it. Like if you right. see a movie that's set in New York, a lot of times they'll like come across the Manhattan bridge and turn three corners. And then they're in Times Square. And he's like, yeah, no, no, no. Where she lived to get there from where she started, you'd have to go through here and go through here and cut across the park. And, go. and he, he loved that detail. And I love that kind of detail in turning red they didn't mm-hmm. get too carried away with it like right i don't actually know which route of streetcar that, that <laughs> it was that was um that, that that was supposed to be but yeah. you know i do i do love that now i want to ask you a question i usually phrase this question off mic and just let my guests lead in the editing um because when it comes to a movie like this or some of the other movies that we've covered on the show um i'm i'm aware enough to know that there are things in it that myself in my life in my privilege that i missed right Mm -hmm. and i'll usually ask my guests ordinarily a woman what did i miss you know and i'll say like you watched this you saw this from your point of view i saw from my point of view what did you pick up on that i may have missed um both as a conversation piece and even just like for my own you know better understanding of what to look for in these movies but i want to like ask you openly when you were watching this movie, what is something that you saw that somebody like me may have missed? I don't think this movie was um, that subtle about some of these themes, um, specifically around mother-daughter relationships. And some of the, and it sounds very dramatic to say generational trauma um, for women in a certain culture, uh, mm. specifically like Asian, Southeast Asian cultures in particular, um, where I, I kind of alluded to this, where there are certain expectations for a daughter in a family, um, the need to be perfect. And you see that from May's point of view for a lot of the movie. And then when later on in the movie, you see that that is passed down essentially from her mom to May. And then you meet the grandmother and you see how that also might have been passed down from that woman to her daughter to her granddaughter. Right. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not a blink if you miss it sort of a moment. It's, it's very straightforward uh, in the movie, but it's a thing that hit me quite hard mm. um, because it's something that I think a lot of women, a lot of girls have experienced themselves um, and I, I really appreciated the way it was shown in this movie. Um, I appreciate that it wasn't hidden. Um, it is, it is generally still a kid's movie, yeah, yeah. Um, but it didn't shy away from that. And I really, really appreciated that. It's fascinating because on the one hand, like you can almost appreciate where that comes from. You know, like, the, the, again, this is not my reality, so I'm completely speaking out of school. But you can almost see your mom had less to work with. 
And right. her mom had even less to work with and back right. and back and back. Right. right. So the fact that you got as much to work with and the, the daughters that come after us will have even more and more. I mean, assuming we don't completely kill the planet by the time we get there. <laughs> um, well, ha- every generation has more tools, more opportunity, you know, and, and yeah. with everyone, like you can almost see it's like, I want to push you because you have a chance that right. I didn't have. But at the yeah. same time, it's just like, there's pushing and then, you know, there, there's, yeah. there's shoving. It's similar to what you said before, where you, you begin to, you, you reach a certain age and <laughs> it sounds so old, but um, you reach a certain age and you begin to understand why your parents might've acted the way they did. Um, and I think everyone comes to that realization where they're like, Oh, this is why that happened. And yeah. this happens for me in this movie. Um, and like, honestly, I think everyone in their life or hopefully reaches that point where they understand, they might not agree with those decisions or those actions, but they actually understand where they came from. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a very grown up concept in a, a, a children's movie. Um, and it was handled in such a gentle way. This movie has a lot of love. Like this movie, it's funny because this movie is, this movie is very angsty. Um, in, in the, in the 13 year old way, like it's not, it's not brooding, but it's angsty. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's very, very loving. Um, on the flip side of that though, I think one of the things I love to, you know, I mentioned how along with the blood family, there's also the, the, the friends family and her, Mm -hmm. her girl squad, um, who, by the way, like I adored the character design on all of them. I'm like, (laughs) so cute. Oh my God. I can't believe that uh, that Dumi and her team got together and were like, "All right, we need three of them. They need to be very distinct. They need to all have their own personality, and like visually and characteristically, mm-hmm. what do we got?" And like you know, yeah. like, combine a whole bunch of different elements of different friends into each little avatar to make sure that they they all had a personality. Um, her 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 squad, Miriam, Priya, and Abby. Um, they were just glorious. Like I, I could have a whole movie of just them. I'm sh- Pixar being Pixar. I'm sure eventually I will. Um, but what I loved about them besides when they were doing their thing and reading their twilight before twilight was twilight <laughs> and, and, you know, singing their, singing their songs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what I did love about them too, is that the movie shows how friends can hurt each other. Like the yeah. movie did not shy away from the fact that when we're young, you can be real jerks for real (laughs) and for acceptance from certain groups so what i i liked about this one was that may is her own person and her friends are all their own people too they don't care they like their their twilight they they like that they're weird they're not afraid to talk back to people um and it's it's interesting that this conflict or this the the time that may goes against her friends or throws them under the bus is to impress her mom or -hmm. to prove something to her mom, um, which was a a different way to approach this. Cause usually you see like kids acting like that to each other to impress another kid or someone their age and to be cool, but she did it to be good. Um, which I also appreciated and I'm sure I have done in the past. So sorry to all my friends. Um, (laughs) but it is a time in your life, like when your friends are the most important people, like their approval, means the world because they get you more than anybody else um and 
yeah, I I thought it was just so it was so interesting, and they're just they're such a fun group, and I love the way they are, like with each other individually. They were just just so adorable. <laughs> you know, I mean, the other thing that I, I I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but it's usually when we have this moment, usually when we have like the friend betrayal, which always sucks. No, like no matter how old you get, that sucks. <laughs> um, they don't teach you how to deal with that. Usually when you get the friend betrayal, it's in the name of, of a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, you're right. I love that. It it was that kind of, it was that level of, Oh, but in the name of, you know, trying to impress your, your parents. Um, Cause you don't see that in movies very often. I was actually thinking a lot about like teen girl Stan culture uh, and how yeah, yeah. they were unabashedly like four town was, it and for I, town for life for life yeah i loved that um i went through my boy band phase uh, i'm probably still in it let's be real but um <laughs> but it it's it's just such a fun time to like experience like music and concerts with your friends and i love how unembarrassed they were to show that um just because like i have a little bit of a gripe with how like pop culture and media often deals with like young girls, teens being obsessed or standing certain things. Like it's embarrassing or like cringy when teen girls do it. Um, But then you can have like, and I'm a sports fan and like, obviously I wear jerseys and like all that when I need to, but um, you can have like a a 50 year old dude that has some other man's name emblazoned across his back and like his picture on his shirt. And he can weep when that guy loses a game and they can fault, know everything about these dudes and their lives, but it's not cringy. That's expected. Yeah. So that was like, I I like that they were just so unabashedly fangirls and it was like super super fun i like like that's such a great great thing for them to like be able to express excitement about that was the i mean that was the unexpected part of this movie was um like you said like how how stanish they were how because they're all they're all really sharp. They're all really smart. Like they're mathletes and they're straight A students and they, they, they get each other so well. But then, you know, the cute boy starts singing and they're all just like weeping puddles. This is how I knew that this came from somebody who knows was she starts describing the boys in four town, <laughs> which by the way, I love that they're called four town, but there's five of them. There's five. Yeah. It's got layers. I like it. <laughs> So she describes the first three, you know, one of them yep. is like, and, and, and they fall into those tropes. One of them is the bad boy. Yep. One of them like sings the melodies. One of them has the moves. And then there's two that don't really have a personality, no. <laughs> but they're, they're just, and <laughs> they're, they're really talented too. Yeah. That's the kind of like attention to detail that I do love. Yeah. I mean, let me be clear. I was never big into, I'm more into pop now than I was when okay. I was younger. Yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. I'm 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 much more I'm much happier to like lean onto a cute pop song now. I think I was, you know, wanting to seem cool when I was younger. <laughs> no, that's what it is. It wasn't feeling really cool. terribly. Yeah. Now, like not only do I do I appreciate and enjoy the fact that they were there and such a big part of the plot, but literally that they become such a big part of the plot <laughs> yeah. uh towards the end of this movie. That that was very well inspired. Beyond the obvious, I think what I also enjoyed about this movie is i enjoyed its approach to representation 
Um, you know, beyond the fact that it's about a Chinese Canadian family, that's, that's great. Like that, that's cool. I, I, I want more stories about, you know, more families that are not just, you know, white North American. Um, right. but going beyond that, like, it's like you have all of this, uh, you know, secondary realm of characters and places and details that are not nailed down and defined. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what do you do with these rougher sketches that you need to fill in as you fill them in. And the movie doesn't make a great big, huge show of it. It doesn't, you know, go like hit you with a hammer and try to say, this is important, Mm -hmm. but over and over and over, it includes all of these wonderful little touches to include representation. And I mean, you know, somebody pointed out the, the girl who uh, first sees may as the panda in, in the, in the girl, in the girl's bathroom, like the girl Mm -hmm. who first like outs her, yeah, she's got um, she's got some sort of a patch on her arm. Oh, the insulin pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and somebody on on Twitter was like, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie. And they loved that it just happened to be there. That it wasn't yeah. like any kind of attention drawn to it. No big right. deal. It's just like, hey, that girl over there, give her this because I see that, you know, yeah. in in my daughter's friends. Um, sure. You know, her little her girl squad. You know, there's one white girl. There's one girl who's who's uh, Indian. There's one girl. I think Abby is. Is that be Vietnamese? Not that it matters, I but think, yeah, you know, yeah. But, but like same sort of thing. It's like you know, we got these, we got these characters. Let's get this little mishmash going as they're going around the city. The city mm-hmm. shows all kinds of different types of people. You know, the the school security guard is an Indian. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, I I love that the movie just, and maybe that is a, an extension of the city that it's calling mm-hmm. home. But I yeah. love that it's all there, and I love that it just is. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. It was so um, nice to see. And I think you're right. It is a representation of the city. Um, I think I've heard Toronto called like a cultural melting pot all the time. <laughs> um, but it's it's what's, it's something that Toronto is known for. But I like that it was not something that, you're right, they didn't draw specific attention to these things. They just exist. They just yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and that's... That's so nice. Often you'll see people get upset about things like diversity or they'll call it forced diversity and nothing about this is forced. It's all very free. It's all very casual. It's just life. And like these girls are walking through their neighborhood and this is what it looks like. So it's, yeah, I really, it's again, another thing I appreciate about the movie um, and another thing that felt very comfortable Mm -hmm. to me because I'm used to seeing the world that way. Yeah, yeah, totally, and 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 I love that it's in there. Even I mean, even like the the character design itself, like the body shapes and the body sizes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even like within May's own family, like the aunties are all different yeah. sizes. You know, <laughs> I, I like that that was that was part of the, the the design of this. For me, what I latched onto most about this movie um, is a lesson that her father expresses to her, and I mean, it's not even really a lesson that her father imparts to her. He just says this is something that your mother went through and I don't know if she's expressed it to you. So I'm going to, Mm -hmm. I like that this movie says there are messy parts of ourselves and we have to make room for them. Um, I, I think that's really important to teach kids. Um, it's weird. I just finished a book on emotional intelligence and it talks for great length about how emotional intelligence and processing our feelings is something that should be and is not taught in schools. Um, But I love that this film is like, 
you're going to have feelings you just don't even understand. Like mm-hmm. some, some will be tied to your biology. Uh, yeah. You know, like I, I like that the movie's <laughs> like, that's going to be part of it. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, however you want to see it, but there's going to be other things that it's just, you just, you don't know how to deal. Like your yeah. friends make you feel some way or your parents make you feel some way. And it's going to manifest itself in you um, in ways that are not going to be pretty. And you can tamp it down or you can, you know, you can harness the beast into an amulet yeah, or you can make room for it. And I, I like that, that, that this movie teaches kids that lesson. Well, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's so valuable and there's a lot of um, embarrassing things that they cover throughout, like embarrassing, messy things about uh, that time in your life. And like, when you watch it as an adult, you look back on it and you're like, that's hilarious. And yeah. in that moment, it's not like, it's exactly what you, like what you were saying, where you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed mom. Yeah. Um, and like, you see those things happening to her and it's hilarious when you watch it as a grown up. And I'm sure like, like kids would be groaning or like, Oh no. When like the mom shows up like in the schoolyard. Um, and like, they talk about things like, like periods and like her mom just like walking in with a giant box of like, here's what you need to deal with this and like bothering her in the washroom. It's just like, it's not afraid of these things. And I've seen um, that there's like certain people who are upset about the fact that a Disney or Pixar movie covers these types of messy things um, in the movie, but they're not meant to be mess. They're just things that like, happen to be a part of life um and they're not like in any way vulgar they're just normal um and that's and that's nice like it kids are gonna ask questions about this kids are gonna like go through this stuff so i don't see why it would be an issue but apparently it is one of the scenes that i will forever love this movie for because I certainly didn't expect this in a Pixar movie. Uh, I don't know if I expected it in a, in a family movie at all, but there's a scene early on where she's doing her homework and she starts thinking about the boy at the, at the convenience store and starts like sketching him. Yeah. What I love about that. I mean, first of all, that's hilarious. (laughs) What I love about that scene is it's almost plays like a silent movie in her body language and her face and the way yeah. she kind of like crawls into her bed. I'm like, every single boy and girl has had <laughs> that moment where it's just like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, like what, you know, <laughs> yeah. none of us wants to admit it. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't want to admit when it happened, how it happened, sure. why? No, we do not want to talk about that. And we're not going to talk about that on the show. But, <laughs> What I love about it is the facial recognition, the body mm-hmm. language, the patterns, I, and like, even her saying like, that is not happening again. Like <laughs> yeah. all of it, it's like, that is so bloody real. That is so very real that every, every single person, no matter your gender, no matter yeah. your sexual orientation, <laughs> you have had that moment. And it's like, I love that one, that it is represented in a film, in in all of its awkward and fevered glory, one yeah. and two, that it's just captured perfectly. That you don't even need dialogue or sound to right. know what is going on. Yeah, it lets you. It lets you 
like they don't show you what she drew in her notebook you have to imagine like how embarrassing like how far did may go with those drawings um it it makes it funnier mm -hmm. it also like lets you be as embarrassed as you need to be about that situation so yeah and like i uh i like the point you made about her like her face and body language and like the one of the more interesting things about this movie is how it plays between like that more classic Pixar animation look. And then for a split second, it will go like full anime with some, yeah. like with the way yeah. their faces look just yeah. from like how they're reacting to something. And then go, go back to like that. Like it's a split second or sometimes like it's, it's a really funny way to use that. Mm -hmm. um, but it really heightens the emotion yeah. in some parts of this movie. And it makes it like, it takes you out of it. It makes it a little bit more cartoony, yeah. but it's, it's so funny and it works so well for things like that, that are super embarrassing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it, they did it so well. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing movie. We could be here talking about it forever. Um, <laughs> and, and there's just, there, I mean, there's tons of things that we still haven't even touched upon in this movie, um, you know, that, that, that I love, uh, but we would be here until doomsday um we end every review here on a matinee cast with a souvenir something tangible or intangible if you could take away from this movie and keep you would ruby dylan turning red pixar what would you keep from this movie if you could um i would keep all the food oh my Jim god yeah may's dad makes uh specifically those dumplings everything that they like uh, that slow-mo close-up of him making their dinner i was just like wow I am way too hungry to be watching this right now, but that is what I would want from this movie. I, I immediately regretted my life choices because for six months now I have lived around the corner from Chinatown and I haven't got dumplings <laughs> once. I'm like, what is wrong with me that you I've had like, that. I know I've had like 30 burritos, but I haven't had a single dumpling. I'm like, what is wrong with my ass? Um, <laughs> My souvenir should surprise absolutely no one, but it's one of those things that I love about Toronto. There's this one kid who lurks in the background of them for so long, and his name is Tyler. Yeah. And Tyler comes and goes all the time. But Tyler is always wearing the same thing. Tyler's wearing a purple basketball jersey with number yeah. 15 on the yeah. front. And if you're in this city <laughs> at that time, you know what that color and that number <laughs> means. And what I love is that, like, the movie is set in the past, but we've now come around and purple number 15 is loved again for a while yeah. there. Purple <laughs> yeah. 15, we did not, he was, he should would not be named, but now, so that's the thing. I do have a vintage t-shirt somewhere in my closet, right. with, you know, Raptors with a 15. <laughs> I need to replace that, but that's the thing. I want Tyler's Jersey because I never yeah. had one when at the time I need sure. one now because it's all good. Um, that would be my, my takeaway. I'm going to, beat up that kid and take his jersey um, <laughs> he deserves it for a lot he does. of this movie yeah he does we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars ruby dylan turning red what do you give this movie i would give it a 3.5 to a four okay. um and the only reason why it's a little bit lower than four is because i would have loved to have seen more yeah. between um the family the mm -hmm. extended family the aunts the grandmother um and how they interact with me because it happened a little fast uh and i loved the parts that they were there for but i just would have loved to see more of that extended family dynamic coming into this i had one movie for the other side uh only one and normally i think of at least two but i just thought of another one so i was gonna i was like i i wanted it to be more like this but now i'm gonna mention 
that during uh, <laughs> the other side. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's it's a it's a three point. It's a very 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 high three point five kind of movie to me. Um, and it's just because at this point in the game, Pixar is like competing against itself, but it mm-hmm. does so many things so wonderfully. I guess like my only criticism is I wanted more of it. Yeah. Like I loved everything it was laying down, and I wanted more of it. Um, there we go. We adore this movie. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like this movie. Let me know. Or maybe you think it's a modern classic. Let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter where I am matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Pixar's turning red? We are going to take a very quick break and come right back after this. Talk about some more movies on the other side. Come on back. We are back. She's Ruby Dillon. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matinee Cast 281. We've been talking about Turning Red. Pixar's Turning Red, set in Toronto. The six represent. It's the other side. It's the time of the show where we talk about more movies, other movies, further reading, complimentary films. Uh, Miss Dillon, why don't you get us started? What is a movie that you think somebody could go on to uh, right after they watch uh, Turning Red and have a good time? Uh, sure. So the first one I thought of, uh, it might be very obvious, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world, um, because it's another super vibrant, loud Toronto based movie that is very clearly set in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got a girl with different color hair in it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it pairs well. That is a nice one. That's one. I mean, it's crazy that that movie is 12 years old now. Uh, first really? of all, well, I mean, not only is it crazy that that movie is 12 years old, but it's funny because you watch that movie now and you realize how much the city has changed. Like, and I mean, mm-hmm. right down to the fact that Scott at one point defeats one of the evil exes and he doesn't even have enough money to get on the subway. <laughs> but that fare is still way lower than how much <laughs> it is to get on the subway now. The coffee shop that his sister works in is gone. Honest yeah. Ed's is gone. Uh, you know, like there's, there's so many landmarks in this movie and things about this movie uh, that aren't part of Toronto anymore, for better and for worse. Um, but it's another. You're right. It's another love letter to Toronto, um, a, a place. I mean, I love that um, uh, Ramona Flowers talks about how Toronto was described to her as one of the world's great cities. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. I love the way that movie, much like Turning Red, combines um, combines the cultures. Like that one has the video game mm-hmm. uh, yeah. culture. That that this one this one doesn't quite have the video game culture, but it like it kind of plays with like like you said, like manga culture and kind of like powder puff type culture and yeah. grafting it into to a Toronto story. I like that. That's a that's a really good start. That's a good one. Um, well, my first one, this movie uh, kind of plays a direct lift from a movie um and i love the way that this movie kind of spun the the lift on its head there's the scene when may wakes up after turning into the giant panda and she bumbles her way into the bedroom like clocking into six different things as she tries to make her way (laughs) and what i loved is how that is pretty much a direct pull from big 
by by yeah. Penny Marshall, <laughs> yeah. 1987 Tom Hanks. Like when he, Josh Baskin wakes up and he's in the body of a 30 year old man and yeah. he's like stumbling his way to the bed, to the bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, all of a sudden he's six feet tall and just like clutching <laughs> his way in. And it's like, yeah, you wake up. I mean, that movie too is kind of a metaphor for, mm-hmm. you know, growth spurts and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I love that it, it kind of plays it up to a, a greater degree the same way that, you know, a girl having these kind of changes it may feel like you wake up one day and you're a giant red panda i of yeah. course have no experience with this um but i love that it plays on it doesn't like you know it doesn't go full-on big mode with with the panda all the time but i loved in that introduction how like that bumble from the bedroom to the bathroom mm-hmm. is a direct lift from big it's funny too i remember a few years ago seeing and reading about big and how it feels very different now when you realize that Elizabeth Perkins in that movie is hitting it with a 13 year old boy and how that feels. I mean, it feels, yeah. Like at the time, like none of us thought of this, you know, but it's like, yeah, yeah. It feels so wrong. I'm sure if I, like, I'm sure I could probably find a case for why it's not so bad, but it's, it's one of those things that's like, uh, I don't know if that's it's a for okay. its time. It's a for yeah. its time. Movie. Yeah, yeah. But I did love that the, that turning red has that great big moment uh, at, mm-hmm. the, at the moment of of, of evolution. Um, what's another one of your your movies for the other side? Um, I think it'd be really easy to pick like another Pixar Disney movie, oh, totally. but I'm gonna pick something else. Um, Bend it like Beckham for me would make a perfect double feature with Turning Red. Um, very similar themes, um, immigrant family, uh, daughter who is kind of going against the grain, trying something new that her parents might not understand. And then she's also got friends who might not get what's happening at home. Um, but it's also hilarious. Like the way I related to turning red, the like Bendy like Beckham for me was the first time I saw literally my family, my life, the way they talk, our culture represented in a movie that I saw in a movie theater that was not like a Bollywood movie. So um, the, it, it's, it has a very special place in my heart. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen uh, because I have such a like, tie to it but but yeah i i think it i think it's a perfect movie that pairs so well with the pains of growing up with parents who have expectations for you and you want to do something completely different it's wonderful to see how that movie has endured um gurinder chandra chandra chada chada thank you jeez um you know 2003 she was back at it just a few years ago with a similar type of story with blinded by the light um but i mean that movie's about boys so who cares yeah, I, I loved how this one talked about um, doing what you're passionate about and doing something you're good at, too. Like, that was, mm-hmm. I think that was what I loved about that movie was how um, it's Jess is the main character, right? Yes. If I remember correctly. Yeah. How Jess yeah. is, she she shows a lot of promise as, as a footballer. Mm-hmm. Right. Along with her studies and along with everything else that she's doing. Like, it's, it's like you actually have a great deal of talent for this and you could go far. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not the lane that your family has, has is used to seeing you in. Right. So, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have to push that a little bit. Um, but the girls just, you know, they, they, they're, they're friends because they get it. Like that, I think that's one of the things I love about seeing movies like, 
and it like Beckham and like turning red and, and thinking about how things were different when we were younger was kids just, they did, they're so less complicated mm-hmm. when it comes to <laughs> what they want to do, who they want to talk to, how they want to hang out. It's like, they don't care how much money you make. They don't yeah. care, you know, where your parents came from. It's just like, are you cool? I'm cool. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's go kick a ball <laughs> around. Uh, let, let, let's go watch the boy band. Let's go talk about that. Same thing. Like, I mean, back to, back to turning red, like when the girls see Tyler at the concert, spoilers for the end of that movie. <laughs> but when the girls see Tyler, they're like, Oh my God, you're one of us. And they you're adopt him. Into, yeah. They adopt him. <laughs> and I, you know, that's what you see. Bend it like Beckham. Like they, they're in that movie. Like they're all different backgrounds. They're all different religions, yeah. but they're on the same team. And it's just like, you know, can you pass to me so that I can hit the shot? Cool. Mm-hmm. We can be friends. Oh yeah. yeah. That's I haven't watched that movie in far too long. It's kind of crazy to think that that movie is Kira Knightley before she became a thing. <laughs> before she was Kira Knightley. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's a good call. I like that one. I have to watch that again soon. Um, another one for me that I just thought of as we were wrapping up our main review um, in, in, in a way that it was something that I wanted turning red to be. I thought about crazy rich Asians mm-hmm. in the way that it builds the family. Right. Yeah. Like I love how many facets there were to this family and how everybody has their own their own track that they're on and what that means in the grand scheme of things, like, oh, this is the good one because they're really making some headway. This one yeah. we don't talk, you know, we don't talk about Bruno kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but but you know, like I love how how that family has so much scope. Right. Right. And, yeah. and how big that cast and even not not just the family but even when you get into like the friends of the family and the associations of the family and that kind of thing if i could turn turning red into like a disney plus short series like a 10 or 12 episode series Uh that's what i'd want to do i'd want to like yeah hang out with the friends hang out with the aunties and see the entire world of yeah may and her orbit the same way we see it in crazy rich asians yeah and that is the only reason why it's not a it's not a four because I, I want more of that. I I would love to know more about those lives and those people, and I think it would help me not understand May better, but I think it would also help us learn more about her and why she is the way she is. And uh, yeah, I I would love to see that. Disney Plus has tons of stuff coming out. Maybe we'll get it. Maybe I mean, but like that's that's one of the things I do I do appreciate is. Every family is checkered by the overarching story, right? Like, you know, you mar- you mentioned how you're you're a child of of immigrant parents. Like, I my my mother came to this country from somewhere else, but her parents lived through a war. And not only did her parents live through a war, but her parents lived through a war in a country that was like in play, right? Mm-hmm. And now at this stage, I'm really understanding what that meant. When I was a kid, I had no idea. I, yeah. like, you know, I, I just, I did not grasp what, what my grandmother was like trying to tell me. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, the whole idea of going for years, years and years of not knowing which, you know, country was going to like show up on the, show up on the shore mm-hmm. the next, the next week and what they were going to do. That's going to totally affect how you, you know, what you want for your kids, how you live your life, how you raise them, yeah. you know, and 
that's the thing. So like we're 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 the product of our family story, and sometimes yeah. you have to get a little bit older. So that's the thing. I, I want I want to get the whole story of the family. You know, like I yeah. want some more of of what happened along the way with this dynasty of red pandas. Um, you, uh, I'm going to give you one more. You got one more film for the other side, and apparently you're going to touch on a few more after we're done. But give me, uh, <laughs> hit, me hit me with a good one to, to get us out of this section. Yeah. So this is. Uh... I think this like it's almost like a theme I'm going with, but um, I picked Princess Diaries for the Ooh. last one uh, for a double feature, and really the linkage here is Sandra O, oh, um, Principal Gupta yep. uh, in <laughs> Princess Diaries, and she plays Ming, uh, May's mom in uh, in Turning Red. Um, I I love her. I I love Sandra O oh so much, um, and I also really love Princess Diaries. It's one of those rewatch movies that if you have a sick day you're gonna feel better for me at least uh if you watch it uh it is also one of those very genuinely lovely delightful movies and it's about a girl who is a little bit awkward in her own skin um and has to deal with this life-changing thing that happens to her so i think there's a lot of mirroring between the two but the stories are told in completely different ways uh different cultures obviously as well um but still gives you that same feeling of like i've been there like i've been different um and watching her grow into herself the way we watch May grow into herself, it's really, it's lovely. It's, it's, I, I love that our, our, our other sides for you are all very early aughts. This is for this, <laughs> this is a nice little commonality to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, here's another, um, we're talking about Anne Hathaway before Anne Hathaway was a thing. Um, yeah. That's, <laughs> it only, it's kind of hard to, to, to fathom these days. Um, another Disney movie, another original movie. Um, I like that we, we tell stories where the kid is awkward, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like there's more kids that are awkward than not. <laughs> and you want, like, you really want to tell them, like, it'll be okay. You know, I know your hair is frizzy. I know your teeth don't quite fit your face. <laughs> Just give it a few more years. Things are going to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all right. You know, but at the time, like you just look at yourself and you just, you, you know, you hate so much about yeah. what you look like. And it's yeah. like, you, you can't believe that you would be the princess or the prince or, or, or what. Um, or the panda. Or the panda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Um, and you said you had, you had two more that you wanted to touch on. So what do you got? Uh, first, I had uh, Ladybird, um, which is another mother-daughter story. Um, also, another girl with that cropped, kind of reddish hair, <laughs> but uh, it's it's told in a different way. It's told in a way where um, Ladybird is not very respectful of her mom and like the things that her mom does. Her she's a little bit more privileged about mm-hmm. the what. I mean, obviously they're not super well off in that movie, but a little bit more privileged about her role in her family. She takes a lot for granted in terms of how much her family gives up for her. So it was kind of a different side of the coin of like this girl is growing up, um, but she's not at all the way like a dutiful daughter, <laughs> the right. way May is. Yeah. Um, but it's still a coming of age story. It's uh, it's obviously way more adult <laughs> than Turning Red is. Um, but in the end, she learns that like, she really does need her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's, it's complimentary, but uh, almost like the other, like I said, flip side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have another one? 
Um, we already talked about bows, so I was. Oh yeah, oh, but yeah, no, but yeah, bows. Uh, Any, anyway, that's. I think that's that's one of the things that I want to, you know, impart to people is is if you if you do want another little dose, and I do mean a little dose, um, <laughs> it's on Disney Plus as well. Just like go into the shorts, watch Bow. Um, again, another really lovely family story story about parenting you know mm-hmm. about the the changing role of the parent um and how sometimes parents aren't even all that sure what the heck they're doing um you know that that's 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 definitely one that somebody could go on to after uh, after turning red and they could see um you know what sometimes what kind of brush strokes in a short film that you can see that get, can get expanded upon in a feature um if mm-hmm. you just uh you know, if you just give the person a little bit more time and money um, for that. Well, there we go. Some great films to, to watch um, on episode 281. And that is Matinee Cast 281. I'm so thankful that Ruby Dillon was able to come back and do another show. Um, come on back on Monday, April 11th for episode 282. I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about yet. I am open to suggestions. We might be talking about your your Sandra, uh, your Sandra Bullock <laughs> movie at this point. The Lost City. The Lost City. It might be. I don't know. You know, spring (laughs) springtime is always a hard time for this show. I never know what to talk about. Uh, It's gotten a little bit better lately because studios stopped being afraid of the spring. But it's all this right now, so it's hard to it's hard to plan a show. I'm I'm surprised I've been able to plan as many as I have. Um, Yeah, Monday, April 11th, episode 282. We'll we'll talk about something. Ruby's on Twitter. If you want to follow her, if people want to follow you, where can they find you? I'm at Ruby D, so it's sounding out my name, R-O-O-B-Y-D-E-E. Um, that's mainly where I'm at, and that's where I share all of my fangirl <laughs> stan takes on everything that I'm watching. Love it. My site, of course, is thematinee.ca, where you can find back episodes of the show. You can also find them in the old familiar pl- and you can also find them all over the place, like Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry. Uh, Apple. There's also uh, platforms now like TuneIn, Radio Public, CastBox, and Podchaser. If you've got one that I didn't name and you're still listening because nobody listens to this part, um, please let me know. I'd be happy to put it there. Um, Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Turning Red can be left in the comments section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. On Twitter, I am matinee underscore ca, and there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Miss Dylan, any final thoughts before we go? No man, that was that was really fun, and honestly, Turning Red is just such a, a delight. It's such a joy to watch, and I hope everyone enjoys it the way we did. Me too. For Ruby, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.